Hello and welcome to the FIEC podcast where you'll hear teaching and resources for church leaders to help independent churches work together to reach Britain for Christ. In this Leadership in Lockdown webinar and Q&A, FIEC National Director John Stevens gives an update on the latest coronavirus guidelines and the implications of the three-tier system on church services. John is then joined by three church leaders who share their plans for Christmas outreach under coronavirus restrictions. Catherine Jackson from Cornerstone Church in Nottingham, Mike Kendall from St Neots Evangelical Church and Neil Tallamy from Bagland Community Church in South Wales. Jonathan Carswell also gives a presentation of Christmas resources available for church leaders from tenofthose.com for them to use in their outreach this year. Well, let's turn to um, uh, sort of uh, the word. I want to take us to um, the Christmas story in Luke uh, chapter 2 just as we begin um, uh, our time together. So Luke chapter two, well-known um, uh, account of the uh, shepherds um, uh, as uh, Jesus um, uh, uh, is born into um, the world. And I think what's really striking about the Christmas story and particularly in Luke, and um, this is what I want to highlight from this passage, is that the Christmas story is a paradigm for us for evangelism. I think for many of us, um, uh, Christmas is a time of the year in which we have great opportunities to proclaim the gospel, to engage with our communities. There's still um, a cultural um, uh, sort of uh, background of, of Christmas within our society that means it's easy to speak to people and invite them to carol services. It's a time in which our churches um, engage in a very significant amount of evangelism. And the Christmas story itself, um, I think, is a reminder to us of the great task that we have of taking the good news of the gospel to um, the world. So let me read these um, familiar verses from Luke chapter um, 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on peace, on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said uh, to them. Um, what we see in this um, passage is the shepherds who were in the culture of the time, marginal people. And often um, in Luke's gospel, it's the uh, marginal people who are the witnesses to the gospel and God's saving event uh, in Jesus. These um, are marginal people who first of all heard the gospel. So um, the shepherds heard the gospel announced by the angels who appeared um, uh, in heaven. Uh, we're told uh, that the angels announced to them uh, good news. So first and foremost, there were those who heard the gospel for themselves. And then having heard the gospel, they believed the gospel. This um, uh, gospel good news was about a baby who had been uh, born, who was coming into the world to bring uh, peace and grace to people. And the uh, shepherds clearly believed the uh, message that the angels had announced to them. And then they responded by um, uh, 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 sort of uh, then confirming the gospel. Having heard the message and believed it, they then went to uh, Bethlehem to see the thing that they had been told had happened. 
they actually confirmed the truth of the gospel message that they had experienced uh, for themselves by going and seeing and finding that it, it was exactly as the angels had told them. And I think this element of confirming the gospel in our, our own experience is perhaps one of the elements of evangelism we least focus on. It's not simply that we believe an objective message that's been heard, but we have found by our experience that that message is uh, true. And then lastly, they then spread the gospel. So having uh, heard, believed, um, uh, confirmed that gospel for themselves, their natural response was verse 17, to spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. So they shared that good news uh, with others. And I think here is the basic pattern for uh, evangelism. Interestingly, Luke's gospel starts with a Christmas story with a, a focus on um, uh, those who were, uh, became witnesses uh, of God's saving action. That's paralleled at the end of Luke's gospel with a very similar pattern in relation to the resurrection as the witnesses um, then go and share that good news with others. And this is uh, what we are called to do. This is what we're still called to do. This is what our churches are called to do. It's what our people are called to do. And we're to do this not just at Christmas time, but all the time. But as we approach Christmas, let's remember particularly, we have a responsibility to be sharing with others the gospel that we've heard, believed, and have confirmed in our own experience. Let's um, pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you and praise you so much for the gospel. Thank you that we have heard the gospel good news about the Lord Jesus and all that he has done to save his people. Thank you and praise you that in your mercy you've brought us to believe that gospel message. And uh, we've experienced its truth in the forgiveness and the mercy that we have received. We want to ask and pray that we would be those who boldly um, spread that good news about him uh, to others. We want to pray especially that we would be able to do that this Christmas time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's move on to just briefly uh, talk about and update uh, the uh, sort of relevant guidance related to coronavirus for churches. Um, it's been another significant week in terms of government announcement and government policy as government has um, uh, sought to introduce a new three-tier uh, coronavirus alert system. Um, uh, whereby every area will be placed in one of three um, alert levels of medium, high risk or very high risk, which has implications for what you're able to do. Now, um, this may have um, uh, implications for some churches already, depending on the uh, group uh, area that they're in. Um, uh, others of us may well face these um, uh, added restrictions in the future. So I thought it was worthwhile just um, briefly updating you on how this um, a coronavirus alert system will affect particularly the work and ministry of uh, churches. So firstly, looking at the lowest level of alert, the medium uh, risk uh, alert. Um, in essence, what that means is that the restrictions that are in place are those that are, are already at present um, uh, in place. So no change. Um, uh, on what we're already um, uh, sort of being asked to do. Most importantly here, of course, the rule of six continues to imply to both indoor and outdoor gatherings. So you can only gather in a group of six. That can be people from uh, different households, but no more than six, either indoors or outdoors. Um, there are a number of exemptions that are in place uh, that we've spoken about in previous weeks, including weddings, funerals, children and youth activities, support groups for those who um, are struggling with issues like addictions and also gatherings for work purposes. The um, implications of medium risk um, areas for churches we're already familiar with. So you can meet for public worship, but there can be no mingling between qualifying groups um, uh, in the church. People should be sitting in their groups of maximum six 
and no mingling between those groups. You can meet in a home up to um, six people. Um, some debate about that, but I think that means a maximum of six people present uh, on the premises. Um, it means you can have Bible studies and prayer meetings in the church building. Again, people need to sit in um, uh, groups of a maximum of six, and there shouldn't be mingling between the groups, which I think means there shouldn't be praying between groups or discussion between uh, groups. So that's the current situation, no change where you've got medium risk. Now, um, uh, when the level moves to the next level of high uh, risk um, uh, alert, there are some changes that come uh, into play. Perhaps the most important is that when you've got a high risk alert area, indoor gatherings can only be members from the same household or a linked household, if there's a linked household for childcare or um, care of an elderly person. So um, the main limitation begins to be on uh, indoor gatherings um, uh, where it can only be um, between uh, members of the same household. You can still gather outdoors um, uh, as a gathering of up to uh, six people. Uh, fines have been increased uh, for um, uh, sort of breaking these uh, kind of rules. So um, uh, fines are about £200 to a maximum of about £6,400. It's also worth saying that where you've got these rules, you can't participate in gatherings in other areas that would contravene these restrictions. So you can't leave your area if it's high risk to go and attend a gathering in another area that you couldn't attend where you live. So um, you can't get out of the area in order to, for example, meet with more people indoors. As I said, fines for those who break the law um, and there's special provision for um, a linked childcare households where you've got children under 13. Again, there are lots of exemptions um, that would um, apply uh, where you've got um, a high risk alert. So some of these, again, we're already familiar with their current exemptions. So work and the provision of charitable services, that's, for example, things like food banks. Um, uh, uh, but work meetings, that's important for church staff gatherings. Education and training are exempt. Uh, perhaps particularly important for us as churches, supervised activities for children are exempt. Although the government hasn't yet updated its out of school context uh, guidance, uh, so it's difficult to know exactly how that works out. But in principle, supervised activities for children are um, uh, exempt. Um, you can, uh, for individuals, provide informal childcare if there's a linked um, uh, childcare household. And then, um, important for pastors and others in our congregations, you can provide care and assistance for a vulnerable person. So that um, is permitted. You can continue to have support groups, um, uh, although they're limited to 15 people and they can't take place in a private dwelling. It must be um, uh, in, for example, the church premises. The rules for weddings and funerals remain the same. So you can still have weddings up to 15 people, uh, wedding receptions up to 15, uh, funerals up to 30, commemorative events after death. Um, so, for example, a wake uh, after death, uh, not the 30 people at the funeral, but only 15. And again, that can't be in a private dwelling. So it has to be, for example, in a restaurant or uh, in the church premises. Again, important for pastors, you can visit a person you reasonably believe is dying. You can visit a person who's receiving treatment in hospital or staying in a care home or a hospice. Um, you're entitled to accompany a person to um, a, a medical appointment, 
you can continue to have organized sports gatherings, um, uh, although uh, their uh, spectators are not permitted, but you can take part in organized sports gatherings. And then lastly, Remembrance Sunday is a special um, uh, exemption, although the uh, spectators can only participate on their own or as part of a household group, not mixing with other groups. So what does this mean for church ministries and church gatherings if you're in a high risk alert area? Well, um, uh, obviously you can continue to hold services both indoors uh, and outdoors, but you can only um, gather um, as a, a household group um, or as individuals. So in effect, the rule of six doesn't operate in the same way. You can only come with your household uh, kind of group. And the, uh, the rules on interaction have been tightened up. So the legislation now specifically says you cannot become a member with any other group in the gathering. So you can't come and then join another group. And again, you're not entitled to mingle with any other person who's participating in the gathering outside of your group. So um, it tightens up what the group can be in the church context. Uh, effectively, it also prevents having um, meetings in private homes. Um, uh, those are limited only to people in a household. So whereas you might have been able to have, for example, Bible studies, prayer meetings in private homes, uh, you can't do that anymore because it's only the household that can gather although you can still have up to six meeting outdoors, which includes a garden. So you can have a group of six meeting um, outdoors if it's warm enough, if you've got a suitable patio heater or whatever. Um, I think the implication for small groups in church buildings is it severely impacts the ability to have prayer, prayer groups, Bible studies in the church building, because again, the qualifying groups can only be members of your household, not wider than that. So you could still have people gather together um, in the church, but effectively you shouldn't discuss, pray, speak across qualifying groups, um, uh, and those are limited to members of the household. So you might, for example, be able to have a prayer meeting in which all the prayer comes from the front, so it's more like a worship service, but the kind of prayer meeting in which people are speaking to one another uh, across the groups um, uh, is difficult to see how that fits where you've got a high-risk um, alert. Moving then to the very high risk alert, um, the uh, highest level under the current uh, scheme. Um, again, it's very similar to the um, high risk element with just a couple of changes. Um, again, uh, indoor gatherings can only be members of the same household or a linked household. The key difference with a very high risk is that outdoor gatherings um, uh, in a public place can also, again, only be six people, but they must be from the same household or a linked household. So outdoor gatherings are also limited to people who belong to um, the same uh, household. Again, you can't participate in gatherings in other areas that would contravene these restrictions. So you can't go outside of the area to be able to meet with people from outside your household. Um, similarly, high levels of fines for contravention and there is provision for child um, care uh, for children uh, under 13. The exemptions are pretty much the same um, as the exemptions that we've just seen in relation to um, uh, the, um, uh, uh, the high-risk um, alert levels. So if you just want to flick through those on the screen, they're basically um, essentially the same. Um, so there's still um, exemptions for supervised child activities, visiting vulnerable people, support groups, weddings and, and funerals. Um, uh, so a similar pattern of um, exemptions that will be significant 
to church members and uh, pastors. So lastly, um, uh, what then are the implications for uh, churches? Um, uh, again, very similar to um, the uh, high risk uh, level. You can still have services indoors and outdoors, but in effect, you can only attend them as um, individuals or as a household group. Um, uh, again, you can't become members of any other group participating in the gathering. You can't mingle with um, any other person participating in the gathering. Um, effectively, um, the, the key difference with very high risk alert is that you can have no meetings in private homes, um, not even in the gardens or outside because um, uh, it can be the household only. Similarly, um, outdoor meetings you can't conduct with people other than those uh, in your household. Again, I think that means that there's significant limitations on small groups in our church buildings. Again, the qualifying groups must be members of a household or a linked household, which makes the holding of Bible studies and prayer meetings where people are talking between groups and across groups uh, very difficult to see how that fits within um, the guidance. So the, the changes are not massively significant, but they will clearly have an impact on what churches are doing in terms of meetings in homes and small meetings in church buildings if you're in an area that's high risk or very high risk. Again, at the end, I'm happy to take questions uh, if there are things there. It's also worth noting that um, government is clearly considering the possibility of um, a, a, a lockdown, um, a kind of a circuit breaker lockdown, maybe for two or three weeks. Um, that's already been adopted or beginning to be adopted in Northern Ireland. Um, uh, we'll have to wait and see where the situation is with that. And nobody has made clear whether or not that would include places of worship or whether it wouldn't include places of worship. So we've got no knowledge yet as to if government took that step, what its implication might be for um, uh, churches and places of worship. That's where we are. Uh, I'm sorry, that's a lot to take in in a short period of time. Um, uh, the legislation is phenomenally complex if you go and read it for yourself, but I think those are the headlines that are relevant to us. Well, let's move on to the main topic of our webinar, which is uh, thinking about Christmas and what we can do um, uh, at Christmas. And I'm going to turn first of all to uh, Catherine Jackson from Cornerstone Nottingham, who's going to tell us about the plans they've got to make the most of the opportunity of Christmas um, uh, in their church. Catherine, over to you. Uh, thank you very much. Um, first of all, can I just um, acknowledge that I recognise Cornerstone is a big church um, and some of our ideas might initially sound ambitious. Please bear with me because I do think a lot of our ideas are actually transferable to smaller contexts and they might just start a trail of thought in your mind that is useful. So I do understand I'm big church, but I think some of these things would fly in other churches um, too, so, so do listen in. I just want to start actually by explaining a little bit of our thinking and where we've ended up, uh, how we've ended up with the decisions that we have taken. The first thing to say is that we recognise that by Christmas it might feel really quite bleak. We realise that um, days are getting short, it's dark, the prospect of possibly not being with family at Christmas is really not very appealing at all. And we want to speak uh, into that and seize every evangelistic opportunity that is available to us because it's really good news and we've got light in what I think might be quite a bleak and dark um, Christmas. So we're gonna do all of our publicity actually around the theme of light in darkness and the, the light coming into the darkness because we think that resonates with how people might be feeling. 
But whilst we're trying to seize every evangelistic opportunity possible, we're also really conscious that we're making plans in a really volatile situation where things are changing very rapidly and where we've already had um, several incidents of uh, staff members having to self-isolate. So we've needed to come up with something that we think we'll be able to deliver even if there are further lockdowns, even if um, staff are self-isolating or get poorly or whatever. So we've kind of been trying to walk this tightrope between taking loads of opportunities, getting the gospel out there, but also recognising that the circumstances uh, might change, that we might have to be flexible um, and that we needed to be a bit creative. And into the mix of all that, we really want to encourage our own people to recognising that actually we need the good news of the incarnation and we need the good news that Jesus became flesh because we're weary and we're struggling and we're finding the work world a bit of a, a bleak place. So we want to bless the people already who come to Cornerstone as well as reach out um, with the gospel. So that's kind of the background to where we've landed with what we're going to do. And then I'm going to run at lightning uh, speed kind of chronologically through the um, events we're planning to do as we're planning to do them. And hopefully along the way, some of them will resonate with you. Can we just go back to the advent slide? Sorry. So the first thing we want to do, thank you very much, is we, we haven't finalised our plans for Advent yet, but we have decided that for every family, we are going to order one of these, a better than anything Christmas, and we're going to post those out with a letter to every family on our database. Because we're really conscious that some people are not going to make it to any events that we put on. Even some people who are regulars at Cornerstone are frightened. We're in one of the high um, areas, so we've got an increased local lockdown. Some people are not coming to acts of worship because they have underlying health conditions. So we just want to uh, equip families with something at home. So that's going to go out end of November to every family in Cornerstone and we are looking at adult alternatives um, to send out and I'm sure Jonathan will say more on possibilities there later but we're going to do something for the adults too just so that people have something in their hands at home if they can't get to kind of any events at all. Then we're going to, next slide please would be brilliant, um, we want to uh, recognise that not everybody finds the internet easy and that's true of some people who live close to the Cornerstone building. That's true of lots of people who might normally come to Carol services, that they're not easily going to transfer to watching things on YouTube or on Zoom or whatever. So normally we would send out a kind of postcard sized invitation that listed all our services on. This year we're beefing that up and we are going to do invitations that are a booklet and the reason for doing that is some of our details are more complex because it'll give Zoom details and things like that. But also because in that booklet, we want it to be uh, evangelistic in its own right. So as well as advertising the different events that we're going to put on, that booklet is also going to have testimony from church members kind of interwoven um, amongst the, um, the adverts for the things that we're going to do. So that even if someone doesn't access anything online, even if somebody is too frightened to come to the building in person, that they, they have something in their hands that they might read that's gone through their front door. So we're going to make those available for people to give to neighbours, colleagues, friends, but we're also going to distribute them in our um, kind of local um, neighbourhood. 
What we're going to do, and this is a little bit nudge theory, but we are enlisting a little army of people who have fountain pens and beautiful handwriting to write the envelopes for those, because we think that something coming through your door that has handwriting on the front just looks really appealing. And it looks like someone's taken um, care and time to produce it. And we have a number of people who are self-isolating at home who are really keen to do something useful. Um, and this is kind of the perfect task for them to write several hundred envelopes in their beautiful um, calligraphy and their beautiful uh, fountain pen. So that's, that's kind of going to be the, the through the door booklets that are going to go out with the theme of light uh, in darkness. And yeah, we're going to uh, use handwriting on that to hopefully encourage more people to open them. Having said that we know some people won't access the internet, we are still going to have quite a strong online um, presence because we think that that will still reach some people and that it is, uh, it's just it's a really important tool for people who are still self-isolating or shielding or whatever. So we are still going to have quite a strong online presence. We also do think that there's um, an evangelistic opportunity there. If people won't come through the the door of a church, they might watch something um, online. So I've got three things that I'm sorry, I'm going at pace, but I've got three things here I'd like to tell you about uh, quickly. The first is home for um, Christmas. I don't know if you've come across this already, um, but my colleague Phil Moore, who is a musician, and some of you will already have seen this, has done a Kickstarter to raise money. And what he's going to do is he's going to record a number of Christmas carols with a band, socially distanced, but make it very beautiful. It's going to be professionally filmed. And the idea is that those will be available for um, churches to use either in their online services or in-person acts of worship where you can't quite pull together a band because you've got people self-isolating or shielding or whatever. Um, and Phil's ambition is to produce something that's a real blessing to many, many churches. He did send me a sly text message just before I did this to say, if any of you would like to take the opportunity to make a last minute donation to his Kickstarter, he would love it because now we are more in a, a kind of local, we're not in lockdown, but we're in that high level. Um, he was gonna put all the musicians up in various friends' houses overnight and can't do that anymore. So he needs, a handful uh, more pounds to cover a few premier in night stays. Um, but do look at that, even if, you, even if you can't contribute to that, do look up Home for Christmas, Fillmore. I think that's gonna be a blessing to a lot of churches. Uh, the second thing I want to say about our online uh, presence is we're going to live stream um, all of our services, um, as I guess lots of you are doing now just so people can watch that at home. We're going, to keep, um, we're going to keep doing that. We're going to have one Sunday, which is the 13th of December, which we are calling Carol Service Sunday. And we're just having kind of um, carol service after carol service for people to, to come to. We've taken the decision now to pre-record Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, um, largely just to protect staff because we think we're going to be busy and we're going to be um, tired. So we've taken the decisions now to pre-record those. And because we really felt like we might struggle to get tech team to live stream those things on Christmas day. And our, our tech team are all volunteers and they've been pouring hours of work into things. So we just want to give them Christmas day off. 
After our Christmas Day um, service, we're going to do a church family Zoom, which we're calling Christmas Chats and Christmas Jumpers, basically, which will just be 20 minutes after the premiere of um, Zoom chat. And then the final thing that we are going to do is we're going to, um, we're going to create Narnia. Now, this sounds impressive, but it is an idea that we actually um, have stolen from another church, which is a small rural Anglican church. So I, this has been done in much uh, smaller contexts. Um, the impetus for building Narnia really is that we couldn't see any ways of doing evangelistic children's carol services in a way that were terribly fun because you can't sing and you can't serve food and all that kind of thing. So we had the idea that doing something that was a kind of installation and an exhibition was quite easy to, um, to make COVID secure because you'd put people in at certain slots and they'll go round the exhibition. Um, so yeah, we're gonna run that from the 18th to the 24th of December. It's going to uh, have we're going to build Care Paravel, we're going to build the stone table, we're going to build all of, of those things and you're going to kind of walk around. Children will give, be given a, a goodie bag on their way in and there'll be different activities for them to do on the way round. but it will also be open to adults because adults, uh, there'll be kind of information for them to read as they go round. And we, we feel really optimistic that that's something that we will get a lot of local people to come to because a lot of Christmassy things have been cancelled this year. A lot of pantos are cancelled. My children's school have confirmed there's no nativities, there's no Christmas parties, that kind of thing. So we want to do something that is quite wow and quite joyful um, and that we think we can get a bit of traction with because it runs for a few days. So we're kind of hoping that the people who go on the 18th will tell their friends about it and then people will book and people will pop on social media that they've been and it was great and then more people um, will, will book. So we're hoping um, to have quite a lot of um, energy around that. One practical thing about that is that we did contact the CS Lewis estate for permission to do that and they were very, very generous and they granted that to us within 24 hours, which we're really grateful for. And clearly we'll work really hard to make sure that the gospel is clearly um, explained as people kind of go around the Narnia experience. So we're going to look at a broken world, the problem of sin, the solution to sin, and then hope um, for the future. So that's that. That's a whistle-stop tour of what we're doing at, at Cornerstone. Thank you so much, Catherine. Let me hand straight over to uh, Mike Kendall, who's at St. Nancy Evangelical Church. Mike, over to you. Thanks very much indeed. Uh, John, good afternoon, uh, sisters and brothers. Uh, very good to, to see you. Uh, uh, as a church, we have been able to continue to do uh, many of the things that we were doing prior to lockdown, but where we've really struggled uh, is those ministries in which we were engaging with the, the community. Now, for us, that was things like our, our mums and toddlers groups, our work with internationals and older people, uh, and a, a group with uh, learning, uh, people with learning disabilities. Uh, and the question that we have been wrestling with is how do we still engage with folks from our, our local community uh, when so much seems difficult or impossible? I know that our plans only ever come to anything if it is the Lord's will. 
uh, as James says, but I think we are particularly conscious of that as we plan this year. Conscious of that, of course, because of uh, what's happening with the coronavirus, but I think we're also conscious of that because of what we ourselves are, are hoping to do. So at this point, we are working towards a drive-in carol service, uh, if it is uh, the Lord's will. Now, we, we think uh, you, you'll see some pictures beginning to appear of what we've uh, been trying uh, with this already. But we, we think that a, a driving carol service offers us a number of advantages. So we can accommodate far more people at a driving carol service than we would be able to in our building. We can only get between 30 to 40 people uh, in our building. Uh, people can sing and sing to their heart's content in their cars, which we think is a really big positive. Uh, if necessary, we can also run more than one service uh, and we can do that fairly quickly uh, uh, with a, a, a fairly quick turnaround. And we can still live stream the service for those who are unable to come. And we hope that we'd still be able to do this even if our circumstances uh, change and the restriction level uh, increases. We also wonder if something novel like this might be appealing at a time when many people are eager for things that feel Christmassy uh, and as we've just been hearing from Catherine uh, other events that might have taken place pre-lockdown uh, are not able to happen. Um, uh, I, I nick every idea that we, we, we have. Uh, this is an idea that we've heard about from uh, others. So one of our members uh, heard about a group of Baptist churches who were holding regular drive-in services in Darlington. Uh, he got in touch with them and they were very helpful uh, and shared all the lessons that they had learned from what they'd done so far. We held our first drive-in service in September and interestingly for us it was really well attended. So we had over a hundred people join us uh, in approximately 35 uh, cars, which is far more people than we've been able to accommodate in our building since we started meeting together uh, again. Uh, a couple of our church members uh, also brought non-Christian family members uh, with them. Uh, and again, the photos going around on the screen will give you an idea of what it uh, looked like. Uh, our plan is to hold two more drive-in services, one uh, this coming Sunday afternoon and another one in November. And we want to use those services to make sure that it works before we then promote a drive-in carol service in the town in December uh, with the service on the Sunday before Christmas. Uh, we're using the car park of a local secondary school and as you'll see from the, uh, the photos, cars are parked in alternate bays and they're all facing in the same direction. The stage is provided by a, a camper van uh, and just to the side of the camper van, uh, under a gazebo if necessary, uh, there is a musician playing the guitar uh, and, uh, and singing for us. Uh, and then the service is live streamed uh, to our YouTube channel. Now, the key issue for us, uh, and actually what you can see on your screen at the moment, is what you would see uh, on the YouTube channel as the service is going on. That the key issue for us has been getting the tech to work. So at our first service, we, uh, we set up our own Wi-Fi network so that people could log on with their smartphones and tablets, not have to use any of their own mobile data, but listen and watch what was going on uh, in that staging area 
from their cars. However, the number of devices we had trying to log on overloaded the system and we couldn't quite get it to work. So what we did was we encouraged people to switch to their mobile data and then to watch the service as it was live streamed on our YouTube channel. And that seemed to work uh, far better. But the issue that we then had was the lag between what people were seeing happening up the front uh, and what was happening on their devices. So we had one situation where uh, a lady from the church was praying at the front. Uh, she had finished. She'd gone back to her car. And uh, 20 to 30 seconds later, people were still watching her uh, on their screens. Uh, praying away. We also found that when it came to uh, singing of the songs, people were not all quite at the same point uh, in the, uh, the streaming. And so you might hear people in the car next to you singing at a different point in the song uh, to you uh, yourself. Uh, we've got another drive-in service this coming weekend and we've got some ideas that we're going to try to see if we can iron out those kind of issues uh, ahead of what's coming up uh, in uh, December. Uh, we've, uh, we've approached the, uh, the Salvation Army to see if they might be able to come along and play for us because we think that would add to the Christmas feel. Uh, we're waiting to hear back from them. Uh, our intention will be to try and decorate the school site uh, to add to the atmosphere, uh, perhaps with Christmas lights uh, and lanterns. And we've got a small team who are working uh, on decorations for us. And we also plan to advertise the carol service locally and to contact our local paper uh, and to see if they will feature it uh, in there. Uh, in previous years, we have uh, distributed Christmas cards with uh, the details of our Christmas events to the homes uh, in the area around our church building. And we're planning to do that again this year. And within that, we will give them information about the drive-in service. We'll give them a link to our website uh, and we'll provide uh, the details uh, and uh, all the sign-up information they need. Uh, our intention is to produce a, an order of service which we'll then email out to people ahead of time. Uh, we're also giving uh, families who come with children in the car an activity pack for the children to use uh, during the service. Uh, and there is something for uh, children in the service as well. At the end of the carol service, our plan will be to give people a Christmas goodie bag as they leave with a tract and a book from 10 of those, just giving further information as well about the church uh, and a flyer for uh, Christianity Explored. Uh, and we'll be encouraging the church family to invite their friends and neighbours along. But clearly, you won't be able to bring people in the way that you would have done before. However, what we're going to try and do is see if it's possible to provide a way for people to come at the same time and park alongside each other uh, if they would like to. Now, as I say, all of that comes with that massive caveat, uh, if it is the Lord's will. We're very conscious of that this year, but we hope it might be the Lord's will for us. John. Great, Mike. Thank you so much indeed. Uh, Neil, straight over to you. Do you want to tell us what, what you're planning at Bagland Community Church? Sure. OK, I, I guess a more simple and straightforward approach. Um, I've been asking particularly three questions over the last few months. Um, first question, how are we going to find opportunity to share the gospel with those that we, we feel we've positively impacted in the community over the last few months? Uh, secondly, how are we going to connect with those people who have been watching us online who aren't members of the church? So how do we get to connect with them on a face-to-face -face level now? 
and then what opportunities are there for the gospel generally and just just what comes large to me is is the christmas carol service which is always so well attended and so i just thought i just want to try and do that again in our building so obviously with the um with the restrictions on numbers the two meter distancing we can get about 50 to 60 uh in in the room so we're going to plan to have four services all the same service over the two weekends leading up to christmas um, if they get booked up, then we'll just add uh, extra services onto that. Um, we just think that people will be, as, as, as the guys have already said, it's such a low ebb that they'll be looking for something to make it feel like Christmas for them. But more importantly, I think they'll be, they'll be asking questions more than ever about life and about what will take away the fear that they have at this moment in time. In terms of what the, the carol service will look like, uh, the guys have talked about the environment. I really do think, guys, if you've got the potential to, to make your room look more inviting at Christmas, I think that's important. Uh, I think people are far more open to listening to the gospel um, if they, they've been impressed by the effort and the lengths that you've gone to to make them feel welcome. And I think for the service itself, it needs to be more participation, uh, sorry, more presentation than participation. So uh, historically, carol service, lots of carols, lots of participation. People love that. I just, I can't see that working this year with face masks and, and no singing. So, uh, so we're going to limit the number of carols we have, but then we, we've got to be more creative in terms of the elements that we, uh, we present in the service. And so um, the first thing I think would be important is that there, there needs to be, in order to keep people's attention, a good flow of the theme that we're presenting in the service. So um, if you were going to watch uh, a story of the, uh, the incarnation in the, the cinema or theatre, it's that kind of sense of you've, you've got that logical flow of the theme that we need to keep in the service to keep people's attention. Um, with that in mind, I'd really encourage you, if you can, if you've got the uh, resources to do so, to, to use video in your service. There's lots of um, really good stuff that's been produced uh, uh, relating to Christmas by Christians over the years. You can Google it. Uh, just, just Google uh, Christmas Christian video and, and just lots will come up and, and lots of sites that will, will put them all together. I've chosen two or three that I think I can theme together in the service. And in terms of being creative, um, I think we need to be asking who in our congregation we can use, what gifts people have. And we, we have um, a youth pastor who is just brilliant in front of the camera. And she, she also is pregnant, heavily pregnant. She's due to give birth in, in January. So I just thought this is going to be great. So we're going to get a, a, a short video of her um, from her perspective, just trying to imagine what it would have been like for Mary to travel that distance, to have no bed to lie on, to give birth in that kind of the surroundings, the pungent smell, um, with the dreams of the first childbirth and how that would have been shattered, and then tie that in with the theme of, but, but this was the prophesied Messiah, who is the, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the ruler, and then eventually then getting obviously to to just his incredible, humble, sacrificial death for us and removing our fear of death and fear in life uh, through his uh, sacrifice for us and removing of our sins. Um, so, so I think it's just really important that 
what, whatever we do in our carol service, I think it probably needs to be more presentation than participation. So we've just got to be a little bit creative with, with what we do. As the guys have said, uh, giveaways at the end, they've got to go home with um, a gospel booklet, box of chocolates, whatever would be nice to give to people. Um, but also take the opportunity to, to do something afterwards as well. So um, if you can run a Christianity Explorer or an Alpha course afterwards, in the carol service would be a great opportunity to, to, to give them a leaflet informing them of, of when that will be. And then finally, um, I just think it's important to engage a congregation. This can be something that uh, as a church, we as pastors put together, maybe the music teams um, and the congregation just come. But if God is going to work um, and God is going to save, which is what we're aiming for, no matter how well we conceive this and, and organize this, uh, God, has to, God has to be involved and God has to be working. And so his people need to be praying. So weeks in advance, we need to be engaging our guys in prayer and also in inviting people yeah, in, in the generation in which we live. Um, the vast majority of people who come to Jesus are those who are connected with people already in the church. And so we really need to, to engage with our guys in encouraging them to pray and to invite. We're also doing a Christmas card. Um, and also, as Catherine mentioned, I think what, what we're going to do is we're going to get Christmas cards printed, leave a gap. So there's going to be info about the church and the, the services, but leave a gap so people can write a personal message. Um, and encourage them to give that Christmas card to their neighbors, their friends, their, their, their relatives. But because it's handwritten and not a pre-printed circular, it, it, it'll stand just far more chance of being written and responded to. And when, once I've got the script all together and the videos, um, if that would be useful for, you, for any of you guys, just, just get in touch with me via Facebook or, or through the FIC. Thanks, John. Neil, thank you so much indeed. And I don't know whether you guys have all, uh, or, or all of you have seen it, but um, our last Get to Know video featured the work and ministry of Bagland Community Church. It's a wonderfully encouraging um, uh, kind of story about the, the work of the church. It was filmed pre-lockdown um, uh, rather than afterwards, um, but you can hear Neil and others talking about the work and ministry of the church there. Why not play it to your church to encourage them and pray for the churches that are featured? So um, look up the Get to Know video from Bagland Community Church. Uh, Jonathan, um, over to you. We're delighted you've joined us. Tell us about resources for this Christmas. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so I'm gonna try and focus on ways that you can use resources, um, though I will mention um, some specific resources, but feel free to contact me at a separate time if you want to go through the different resources that are available, particularly the, the, the new items. But I want to focus on um, creative ways of using them. So first of all, Catherine mentioned Advent. I think it's a great opportunity to unite the, the church family, especially when we can feel quite um, separate and divided. Um, there's, there's resources for kids and families, um, and then also for, for adults. The, the new one um, this year for adults is by Tim Chester. It's called Fixated. Now we can distribute this to your whole church family, um, including the cost of the book, for 375 so um if you just give us a um your your labels so we meet with um data protection we can put that on and deliver it to uh, your church family for three 375 
but there are different ones and there's ones that you can do for um for for those with families as well the unexpected gift and others this door-to-door -door distribution is um is a great way of of reaching people we can do it for your church family but also evangelistically um we can very cost effectively distribute evangelistic literature to your whole um, postcode area and um, there's there's different ways that you can do it so you could do it with the um, classic sort of evangelistic resources for adults whether it's booklets or books and there's a whole range of, of, of different ones that we can do but also we can do it with um, uh, magazines and tracks etc and I'll come on to those um, in a minute. In terms of evangelism uh, for, for adults we do we've got booklets we've got books uh, and tracks which I'll mention later um, the new one this year is the best Christmas ever um, but there are all sorts of uh, different ones that uh, that we can use that's specific for your uh, for your situation. Again Catherine mentioned the carol service at home CD that um, uh, Phil and others have been doing. Now we're, we're slightly um, Ad adapting his idea of being able to use it in the church and then we're making this a carol service at home so that you can provide um, those in your neighborhood with an evangelistic carol service on a cd uh, that you can deliver at door to door and these will be available for a pound now people may not have cd players perhaps well we can use this as a flyer that there'll be information of how they can listen to it on Spotify for free um, but this is a great way if you're not able to run a carol service for yourself to take a carol service to people's homes and they can enjoy um, the the traditional carols as well as uh, as new songs bible readings and also a short message um, interspersed uh, between the tracks so that that's also available and it's available for a pound now this next idea has just blown up in a way that we didn't expect. We've done an evangelistic magazine which has kind of um, uh, stories as well as things like some recipes and things to do during lockdown, these sorts of things, while also containing um, clear uh, Christian gospel message in an attractive way. Now going back to the, um, uh, the distribution via Royal Mail, we can have these customised with your church's details, your Zoom links, etc. Uh, for 45p per home delivered if you're going to uh, do your whole postcode area. Now if you, get, if you use wider postcode areas, the price drops even from 45p, but that is customised with your details. It takes four weeks to prepare that, so you want to do that for Christmas um, if, you, if you act now but that is a really cost-effective way to reach all the homes in in your area. Children's giveaways are, um, are normally a big part via mums and tots a big part of Christmas evangelism and um, we've got new resources available but we're gonna have to be creative of how we do it. Perhaps your mums and tots groups are meeting you could consider then doing door-to-door um, -door packages. And I think it's, it's really nice to have a sort of open your door and see a surprise delivery that you weren't expecting. Maybe with a chocolate bar, maybe with invitations to other things, but a, a book for, um, for the kids. Also perhaps mobilize um, individuals in your church to be giving it away to, um, to those um, perhaps in twos and threes, um, to families on their street or people that they know. Why not consider working with your school to say, look, we know that this has been a tough year. We'd love to give a gift to everybody in the school um, as, as a little sort of happy Christmas from the church and a great way to, um, to, to bless the whole church and re uh, the, the whole school and reach the, the school with, um, with the gospel and make good relations there. 
We're also doing posters, and I think this came from, from Catherine as well. Uh, we've got a lot to thank her for. Um, obviously, posters became a big thing, Europe for the NHS, etc. We've got four different um, uh, evangelistic posters which have a verse or some sort of um, hook and then details of how they can get a linked resource perhaps by knocking on the door the postman might see it and think oh well I want to know how to have the best Christmas ever or you could have these in your church with a little stand with with them available for um, for free to take whether it be a little book or a tract or a a booklet. So those posters are available and really inexpensive. And then finally, um, Christmas cards and Christmas tracks. Over lockdown, over 1.5 million tracks have gone out just from 10 of those, and there's lots of other people doing it. So it's a great opportunity to, to reach people. Christmas cards that have a message, but put in a tract with it. Even with your, your church family, put in a tract and, and suggest that they might give it to other people. We've even got one for Christmas jumpers. So Catherine's uh, uh, get together is, is ready-made there. There's one called the Christmas census, which is new. Uh, the New Testament both begins and ends with a census. And in 2021, uh, the government planned to have a census in the UK. So that's how it all comes together. If you're preparing your Christmas messages, these are all ready to nick. Um, but why not put tracks in in your Christmas cards and uh, but but think about how you can uh, distribute those more widely as well. We also have a coronavirus tract which uh, which might be uh, helpful. Finally, we're here to serve you, and if we can help in any way, um, then please contact us. Tim is the main guy, particularly with those um, magazines. Uh, he's busy doing that each day and getting those out and hundreds of thousands of those magazines are going out so perhaps you could add to to what what's ha happening and maybe partner with local churches if you can't afford the full thing um put their details on as well and can distribute it but contact me anytime jonathan at tenofthose.com i'd be glad to talk through the specific resources and ideas that we can help you with uh, to get evangelistic resources out this christmas Fantastic. Jonathan, thank you um, so much. And thank you all of you for sharing your ideas and what you're planning this Christmas. I think it's been really inspiring to hear how you're thinking about making the most of an opportunity that will be different, but not wanting to lose that opportunity. And I hope that everybody has been inspired to think of things that they could do in their local church to make the most of this opportunity. And no matter how big it is, no matter how small it is, there are ways in which you can engage the community this Christmas time. Well, we'll go to um, a time of questions picking up on, on what we've heard. So questions through to Phil, please, uh, on the chat function. Uh, maybe you've got specific questions about some of those Christmas ideas, um, uh, maybe issues connected more with the coronavirus kind of law and guidances as it is at the moment. Uh, Phil, how are we doing in questions? Where do you want us to start? Uh, why don't we start with uh, with questions on the Christmas theme? Uh, that would be a good place to, to kick off, I think. Uh, first one for, for Mike, Catherine and Neil to think through. Is there any way we can encourage folk to use their homes as an evangelistic opportunity where that's possible given that not a lot can happen in church buildings in some parts of the country in quite the same way any thoughts on pastorally how to, to perhaps address that uh, any wisdom uh, we're struggling with that because we're back in a no indoor meetings in households but i do think local community is going to be important um so actually i am in discussions with some mums at Beast and Free, <laughs> hello Beast and Free people on here, um, because we're wondering about setting up a kind of nativity or a um, nativity trail between the windows in our houses. And if we all took a different bit and we could get the children in the locality to go out and to look at this window and spot this and look at this window and, uh, and spot that, um, 
because we're going to struggle to have people in our homes, I think, in Nottingham. I think we, we too similarly are, are kind of not quite sure what to do, but I, I wonder if we do need to be thinking very much about the neighbours that we have around about us, uh, being in touch with our neighbours, um, making sure that neighbours are okay, but making the most of the opportunities that we might have on the doorstep, I think, to engage with folk, much in the way that we were doing with, with the kind of Thursday evening round of applause, for example, um, seeing if we can recover some of that in the run up to Christmas. Great, thank you. And um, thinking about carol services, Mike, you talked about a, an outdoor service. This is more about kind of restrictions. So maybe this comes to John in the first instance. Can we have kind of outdoor singing of any kind? Uh, if people are socially distanced, gathering together, can we do an open air style carol service? Any, any thoughts on that, John? Uh, you can have open air uh, gatherings and worship provided you comply with the rule of six um, in areas where that's uh, kind of permitted so again depends what the kind of virus level is uh, in your area in actual fact the guidance in relation to singing is no different for indoors or outdoors it's no different for kind of choirs and groups so um, uh, freedom to be able to sing outside it is a matter of guidance so you've got to work it through in terms of risk assessment of course outside you've got the advantage of ventilation um, which you might take into account but there isn't an automatic you can sing because it's outside the guidance is still to be cautious because of the risk of um, infection of others when people are together and the virus is transmitted in the air um, interesting I was speaking to somebody um, earlier and they're thinking of kind of recording some carol singing because you can then play it so even if you're not necessarily able to sing they're, they're thinking of maybe hiring a kind of flatbed truck and going around the neighborhood and playing the carols that they've recorded um, uh, from their uh, kind of church small choir group and you can you can engage the community in that way um, so it's not it's not necessarily automatically easier if you do something outside which is why the car driving carol service is easier because you can sing in your own car and then of course you don't have the problems of engaging with with others. Linked to that John, a church normally uh, whose contact is on, on the chat uh, normally go out with kind of wind instruments sort of brass instruments doing carol singing outside with with brass I guess wind instruments are still not recommended. Is that is that right? What would your advice be on that? I think it's the same for singing and the same that I've just said applies to the use of wind instruments as well. Thank I think you. If, you, if, you, if you do choose to do that, um, the key thing is that your risk assessment identifies why you think it remains COVID safe, that you have taken into account those eventualities and that's reflected in the additional safeguards that you've put in place. Uh, one here for Catherine. Catherine, you mentioned giving Zoom details out on your little booklet. Have you thought about how you could potentially encourage people to join Zooms for more interaction? Uh, Christmas Day church family is one thing, but what about others who are feeling isolated in the community? Have you thought about how that could be done safely? Do you have any wisdom uh, on that? Um, well, when I say we're giving details out, it will probably be giving details of the church office to email to get the details rather than just sending the details out in the booklet sorry that probably wasn't very clear um, I am planning a toddler group zoom and we're going to do what Jonathan's saying people will book up they'll get the zoom details they'll get a knock on the door in the in the morning and they will have um, different hats to put on so a star hat when they're all hats um, a shepherd when they're all shepherds and that kind of thing and we're going to do a zoom um, kind of a, a zoom nativity with a and they'll get a, a Christmas book and things in it 
I have to say I haven't given thought beyond toddlers and Christmas Day. Sorry. No, that's okay. Just it's just helpful to sort of think it over, isn't it, and bounce ideas around. And um, John, can I move on to more general um, guidance stuff? Uh, questions about the, the the tiers and that kind of thing. I just wonder if I can move on to those, if if I may. Um, thinking about exemption for work, how does that cash out for pastors, student workers, ministers when they're thinking about? Uh, mingling with groups in a kind of work setting on a Sunday um, so it might be going between different groups in their work capacity or perhaps doing one-to-ones uh, with students on church premises those kind of things any any wisdom on how that will work out in the tiers particularly tier two a lot of people in tier two are asking are asking those kind of questions well, I think that um, for things like one-to-ones and gathering with individuals, you can you can do that within your building potentially, um, uh, kind of, uh, uh, a, or at least you could do that in your building if you're in a medium risk element. I think for the high risk element, um, basically you can't have indoor gatherings with people who are not part of your uh, kind of household. And I'm not sure that we should take work to mean a blanket. All I do as a pastor is work. Therefore, when I'm meeting with an individual, it's work. I think that is really to do with meetings for people who are working together. So it's more to more bound up with the fact of colleagues gathering together for a work meeting rather than pastors saying all of their activity is work. Therefore, I can effectively meet with other people to pastor them. As I said, there's a variety of exemptions, caring for the vulnerable person, uh, assisting a person. Um, uh, but I think that the way the law is drafted at the moment, it's designed to prevent you meeting up indoors with people who are not from uh, your household. You can still, at the moment, eat up, meet up outside with people who are not from your household. So I think there are ways of um, managing uh, meeting with people in cafes, outside, in parks, even in your own garden. I know that the weather is a bit problematic, but I think it's more a question of exploiting that opportunity to its fullest while it's still available. But I think simply defining everything we do as pastors as work isn't going to justify as meeting with, um, uh, with others. That's really about staff team relationships rather than um, a ministry uh, to others. Um, yeah, I think that's, is, is that? Yeah, that, that's right. Just to push on that then. So, so if, if somebody arrives at a church on a Sunday morning, um, they're a student and the student work is there and perhaps is uh, showing them to their seat. So prolonged conversations, those kind of things would be against the guidance in a, a kind of high risk uh, area, second tier. I think there's a slightly different issue of when people come to church, inevitably the people who are acting as stewards and the person who's leading, as we've said before, are rather more like the bar staff or the cinema staff who are working in a, in a cinema. Uh, we've got to be careful because there's not meant to be mingling between groups. Uh, and therefore, I think it's much better to have short conversations that are then arranged to meet up perhaps um, in another context in, a, in an appropriate COVID secure place. So linked to that from a work perspective, John, specific questions come in from a pastor who's supposed to be gathering in a tier two area tomorrow in a church building with eight other pastors for kind of their regular fraternal. If they follow all the COVID restrictions, would that class as a work setting, do you think, or should that be, uh, is that unwise? Um, I think you could probably just about define it as a work gathering. I mean, I think you've got to exercise your own common sense there. there it isn't defined for you. Um, uh, but I think you are meeting with people who are all engaged in similar work to talk about work. So provided that that is what you are doing, I think you could legitimately say that it is um, a work context. Of course, actually, you shouldn't, I think, be meeting with eight other pastors. The maximum group that you can meet with is six other people. And so you shouldn't really be um, uh, basically engaging with more than the maximum group of six. 
um, uh, in, in that context. So, uh, it might be, sorry, I should, it might be possible you can have a bigger group because it's a work group. Sorry, that's probably my mistake. I'm mixing contexts there. Um, uh, so yeah, you could regard, could regard it as work. Um, I think you've got to make sure that everybody is happy with gathering on that basis. You ought to bear in mind how others might perceive it as well. Well, at least it's clear, John, that's good. Uh, no, the, gu the, the guidance doesn't cover many of the specific circumstances we have, which is why it's a struggle. No, I'm just, I'm just joking. Uh, here's, a, here's an interesting question about tier two uh, exemptions. Uh, supervised activities for children are, are an exemption in tier two. How does that work for something like a messy church where parents and children would attend together? I don't honestly know the answer to that question because, as I said, the specific guidance for out-of-school activities hasn't yet been produced. So in some of the specific areas, the implications of this new legislation haven't been laid out. So I honestly don't know exactly what the answer is to that. My guess is that supervised children's activities are going to be much more like children's groups rather than gatherings with children and parents. So it'll be a children's group rather than a mums and toddlers. Uh, so I'm not my immediate response is to say that if what you've got together is effectively adults and children coming together, that that wouldn't fall within that exemption, basically because the understanding of government and its advice is that the risk of coronavirus between children is very small, but as soon as you put adults into the mix, it's the adults that you're putting at risk. Thanks, John. We had this question uh, in our Wales webinar from earlier in the week, and you weren't sure of the answer from the Welsh context, but I wonder if you know from the English context, uh, where do we stand with sharing of toys in children's work, sharing of books, toys? There seems to be a difference between the places of worship guidance, which still advises against it, but then the out of school guidance, which is a bit more relaxed about it. Uh, honestly, I don't know. I haven't looked at those specific bits since we last uh, met together, so I couldn't give a definitive um, uh, answer about that. That's fine. Here's a specific one, John. I'm just going to read so that um, I, I don't mis misquote it. The government website only mentions no mixing of households in worship services in tier three. Is it correct this applies for high level tier two as it isn't mentioned there? Well, I think I'm tier two. It says that in indoor gatherings, you can only be with members of your household or your linked household. So I think the implication there is that when you're in a gathering, you can only be with people indoors who are part of your household. So um, in effect, that becomes the qualifying group can only be people from your household or a linked household if you've uh, sort of formed a link with another group. Uh, one final one that's Christmas related to finish us off, uh, John. Uh, so uh, a church here loves to hold a, a Christmas meal every year for lonely and vulnerable folk. If they're presuming they're in a, a, a medium risk area, could they still do that These kind of groups of six uh, and putting it, it all COVID safely together? Do you think that would still be possible this year? Uh, I'm not sure that it easily fits within any of the categories. So it might possibly fit within the area of support groups, but that's limited to a maximum of 15 people. So um, I do think that's one of those things that probably doesn't fit within any of the guidance unless it's defined as being a, a support group in which it's a relatively small number of people who are able to come uh, together. Um, again, you'd have to follow all of the guidance connected with kind of food associated with restaurants and bars. But I, I, it seems to me that that doesn't neatly fit within um, uh, the guidance uh, and what is being um, permitted. Thanks, John. That's all the questions this week. 
and I'm sorry, I'm sorry she's not able to be clearer on some of those things. It is increasingly unclear what the outworkings um, are, and we do wait for further clarification on some of these particular issues. Okay, well, thank you, everybody. Thank you for um, uh, sort of bearing with yet more COVID kind of law and uh, regulations and our attempts to um, interpret that. Can I remind you, um, again, as a senior leadership team, we're, we're willing to make ourselves available to people for individual consultations. You can book that through the FIEC. Uh, next week in our webinar, we're going to be thinking about pastoring in a mental health crisis. So how do we effectively pastor those in our congregations who are struggling with issues of uh, mental health? And then the week after that is half term and we'll be taking um, a break. So there'll be a webinar next week, mental health issues. And then uh, the week after that, we will be um, uh, taking a break for um, a week. Why don't um, I close in prayer? Father, we want to um, ask and pray that you'd help each one of us to know how we can make the most of Christmas opportunities to share the glorious good news of the Lord Jesus. Thank you that Jesus came into the world to save sinners, to defeat death. Thank you that that is the good news that people most need to hear. We ask and pray you'd help all of our churches to um, uh, sort of uh, wisely plan uh, to uh, share that good news in the most effective way. Um, we thank you that uh, you are the God who's sovereign, but we ask and pray that we might have a passion to share the good news. Um, and we pray that as churches, we might be praying for every opportunity. We pray that you might be raising up people who are willing to help serve so that we can connect. Lord, we want to pray particularly for the um, sort of large numbers of tracts, magazines, cards that are going to be distributed to people who don't come to church. And we ask that um, in your mercy that drop might draw people to uh, come and know and love the Lord Jesus. We pray as well for all of our churches as we wrestle with these kind of coronavirus restrictions that we find so frustrating. Please help us to understand them. Please help us to um, lead both our, our church leadership teams and our church memberships as we seek to um, understand what they mean um, for our local church life and practice. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for listening to the FIC podcast. For more resources for church leaders, subscribe to this podcast on your favourite podcast app and visit our website at fiec.org.uk.